That was tremendous worship, wasn't it? That was a blessing for me. It's such an honor for me to be here with you today. Uh, again, my name is Kirk Johnston. I'm pastor in Paola. I'm with my wife, Lori. Lori is a pastor in Hillsdale, Kansas. We do share ministry together just in separate locations. It's a lot better that way. <laughs> um, but what's brought us here today is we're part of uh, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church denomination. And we've just come into that denomination in the last few years and started a presbytery in this area. It stretches all the way from North Dakota down through Oklahoma, and we developed a relationship with Sterling College, which we're really excited about. David, we're glad to be part of that with you, and I know Scott is a, a big part of that, and just meeting Christian, it's been a blessing. This, this school is important. A lot of our elders actually at Lighthouse Church are graduates of Sterling College. So it's really an honor for me to be here, and I've enjoyed seeing the campus today, and I hope that I get to come again and be part of your life together. You've been studying calling as a, as a chapel series, and I'm bringing a message that will address that, but it starts in a different place. As we came into relationship with the EPC, uh, and I became the moderator of that presbytery of about 27 to 30 churches, they wanted to know what I believed. And I didn't want to just give them the standard statement of faith and tell them, well, here's what I believe about baptism. Here's what I believe about scripture. As important as those things are, I wanted to address uh, how God had called me. And so I wrote it in a poem. So I'm going to risk it with you guys and give you a poem today. I'm going to make two promises. One, it'll be different. You may not like it, but we'll be done on time. Okay? <laughs> so again, I, I, before we do that, let's pray. Father God, would you use me? And would you help me by, by the power of the Holy Spirit as we come to this moment that is sacred, the preaching of the word. And Father, uh, we ask that you would speak. Holy Spirit, that you would be the teacher. And that Jesus, you'd be honored and glorified. It's in your name that we pray it. Amen. To do this right, I'm really, I'm okay if you kind of stare at the screen more often because this is a screen-centric presentation. So I'll stand here to the side. I'm likely to fall off the platform, but I'll just get back up if I do. But I've entitled it Ordained. You could call it Called, but here's the scripture that forms a basis of it. And it even works into Jonah because Jonah didn't want to do what the Lord had called him to do. I don't think he wanted to accept responsibility for what the word meant. And there comes a moment where we have to accept responsibility. For when we hear the word, something happens in our spirit. And it's going to cause some things to change. And we will always resist it. I love that music, by the way. Great job. Wonderful voices. Wonderful playing. I so love good worship music. So thank you guys for doing that. It was beautiful. You guys are blessed by that group. Now, um, here's the scripture. The heavens declare the glory of God. You could change the word declare to call out. The heavens call out the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they speak. They call out again. Night after night, they display knowledge, information. When I hear that word, I think of DNA. DNA is knowledge. It's information. And, and in the micro and the macro, God is speaking. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. It's universal. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words 
to the end of the world. There's this calling from God. You know, John Foreman, when I look at the stars, you know that Switchfoot song? He sings a little better. But uh, when you look at the stars, some of you look into microscopes. Some of you look into the structure of DNA. Some of you look into the faces of the people you counsel with or teach. God is calling and speaking. And that's what I wanted to address in this poem. Again, it's called ordained, but it really could be called, called. Across the nightly blackness, blinking sentinels take their place. Stars. Sentinels. Sand-like in their number. If you know scripture, that's a tie-in directly to when When God said to Abraham, when he called him to go, he said, I will make you as numerous as the grains of sand on the shore or the number of stars in the sky. Do you, and and folks, I'm going to come at this from a scientific principle. I love science. And again, the microscopes and telescopes are pointing us to God. And and what's interesting is in the 1500s, they would have said, how many stars are there? And 3,000, 6,000. But in the Bible, God said to Abraham, the number of stars is similar to the number of sands, of grains of sand in every seashore on every place of the earth. And do you know now that we talked to Hawking and other scientists, they asked them, how many stars are there? That's the thing they use, grains of sand. And if you think about how many grains of sand there are, it'll blow your mind. And yet that's how many stars there are out in the universe, this expanding universe. So so these sand-like number of stars are buoys. They're out there marking time and space across the nightly blackness. Blinking sentinels take their place, sand-like in their number, buoys marking time and space. Woven? Right? Created, or have they always just been waiting? You see, people ask, why is the universe so large? For some people, they look at the vastness of the universe, and they lose sense of, they, they actually feel insignificant. I remember watching a Walter Cronkite uh, film in the 70s. That's how old I am. And it was called Ape Man. And, and they used a clock. And they said, if all of time is a 24-hour clock, man appears at 11.59.58 on that clock. Therefore, we're insignificant. I had the exact opposite reaction. If man shows up on a 24-hour day at 11, when, my, when we had special guests come into our house, do you know how long my mom cleaned? For my uncle, who was a loser, about 20 minutes. But for my other uncle, who was her favorite relative, she cleaned for two weeks. I'm saying to you, the earth has been uniquely prepared for this moment. And it took 15 billion years to set up this moment. And even the stars, if we didn't have the universe as vast as it was, you know what they're just figuring out now? We call this the Goldilocks principle. If there weren't, if if the universe had less stars in it and they're sand-like in their number, it would have collapsed upon itself. I'm sorry, I got it backwards. If it had less stars, it would just blow out into infinity. If it had more, it would collapse upon itself. Instead, it's this perfect blend So is it woven? Is it waiting? Is it working? The only place we get helium anymore (laughs) is from exploding supernovas. That if they were closer to us, they would kill us. But somehow they've been blowing up for billions of years, at least four billion years, and loading the earth with the helium we need. 
and many other heavy elements and light elements. So woven, waiting, working, it's beyond anything that's me. How then will I answer the privilege just to be? You exist. In all of that universe, you're sitting here at Sterling College right now, listening to an old man with patches on his elbows. Wow, that's a privilege. The numbers don't add up. When, when we put the math to it, and if you've been part of the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, the SETI project, they're looking for Earth-like possibilities in these sand-like stars and planets that surround them. The question is, could there be another Earth? And so in the math, though, they're, they're, they're saying, well, it would have to be near a star of a certain size, and it would have to be um, in, in an area where there are other planets around it to catch the asteroids. It would have to be in a relatively quiet neighborhood of the universe. It would have to be where there's not something blowing up and over-radiating it. There's 159 factors that are what we call the Goldilocks principle. It's got to be just right. And the fact is, the math doesn't add up. Even with trillions of stars, there shouldn't be any inhabitable planets. The fact that we're sitting on an earth, alive, breathing air, can drink water and have ice in it, the fact that we're in that is a miracle. The earth shouldn't be. So as we look for other places that, that, that could have life, they're going to have to have that same miracle. But the math doesn't add up. There's, there's, it's, there's too many variables to make life possible. And yet, take a deep breath. Here you are. You are. This is some of the math. Thrilling, isn't it? <laughs> there's the habitable zone that you live in. But here's a question you have to ask yourself. Why does a rock, which is essentially what we're on, why does a rock have flowers? A fiery core. Do you know the most volcanic and tectonically active planet in the solar system is the Earth? And the fact that we have earthquakes and volcanoes is what keeps us alive? Why does a rock have flowers, a fiery core, and seas? And which one is the liar? Joy or misery? And that really is the question I have for you today. If you think about it, how many of you have experienced joy? Raise your hand, risk it with me. Risk it with your neighbor. How many of you have experienced misery? Which do you think is the core truth of the universe? Which is the aberration? And which is the reality that will overcome the other? That's a huge question I have. I put it another way in our poem. Now, a universe expanding needs a bigger chamber, right? If you think about it, the universe as we know it, this is all the known universe inside my hand, is expanding. But it can only expand if it's in a room bigger than itself. If I'm blowing up a balloon... I need to be in a room bigger than that balloon. Is that not a mind-blowing thought? Our universe has to be, our, as our universe expands, the world we know, it's expanding into another place that we can't see that's even bigger. Some people say, where's heaven? Well, it could be there. Where's God? 
Clearly, there's another place beyond our universe. Clearly. And, and, and if this expanding universe needs a bigger chamber, so is it life within the darkness or darkness wrapped by light? We're looking at the background cosmic radiation that they've been able to picture by taking radiation pictures of the universe. The universe would look something like this. Do you know one of the great miracles is that you live in a quiet neighborhood of the universe? You know, there was this argument over the centralness of if, if, if we rotated around the sun, then somehow we're not important. But in actuality, you live in a part of the universe where you can look out. Most places in the universe you can't see past your own atmosphere if it was there or the brightness of the sun. What's unique is the perspective God has put us in in his creation because we can actually see out. We're not clouded by radiation, destroyed by supernovas or other things. We actually are given perspective. That's, a, that's another thought that blows my mind. But here's the question. This universe, is it Darkness wrapped by light? Is there light outside the universe? Or is it light enshrouded by darkness? And you've got to answer that question. Am I headed for the light? Or are we headed for the dark? And here's an interesting fact. I've never been able to find my bed at night without the help of others and a gracious guiding light. Think about that. See, we suddenly have gone from the universe and all of this math down to the fact that we need each other. We need lighthouses. We need hands. There is this this force in the universe that wants to get you home. (laughs) From the tiniest of atoms to the tallest trembling tree, nothing but my children have needed me to be. And even here I offered nothing to their design. Ask Lori. I mean, I thought having kids was like going to the, you know, if you've ever been to the hospital, this is again, I'm an old man. You go to the hospital and if they're going to bring breakfast the next morning, you do a little punch card and you order what you're going to get. And you, and you know, they'll bring you, you order scrambled eggs and oatmeal and they bring you the wrong thing probably. But there's this illusion that you can pick what you're going to get. I had that thought when we had children. And I didn't get anything like I thought we'd get. And you're nothing like you thought your parents would be, but you're who God wanted you to be. But from the tiniest of atoms to the tallest trembling tree, nothing but my children have needed me to be. And here I've offered nothing to their design as everything I gave them was never really mine. The information's in the DNA. But here we are, and here they are, stewards in the night. Here we are, Sterling College, March 2017. Like the stars in the sky, you are in your place on purpose, a steward in the night. So is it life within the darkness or darkness wrapped by light? Which is it going to be? Are you part of the, of the coming to darkness and nothingness, or are you part of God's light and his plan? Because in the deep without and the deep within lie choice, And destiny, how then shall you answer the privilege to be? Does that get the question? I hope that's helpful. You have a cosmic appointment 
and it's now. It's not in four years. I pray you'll have it in four years too, but it's right now. Here's my answer. If God, if he, I'm using that in the, in the uh, universal sense. I believe God's beyond gender. If God wasn't there, I wouldn't be here. And by here, here we're going to play with these words. If God didn't exist, I wouldn't have existence. Because I didn't make myself. If God wasn't on the cross, then I wouldn't be here before you speaking about being redeemed. Because I can't save myself. I love that second song. I was over here with Lori while you guys were singing. Write that one down. That's a good one. Write that one down. That's a good one. Oh, we got to sing that one. That's a good one. Thank you for singing that song. If he wasn't in the bread, then I wouldn't be here as a man fed by the grace and the light of God because I can't, I can't sustain myself. You see, my statement of faith is that without the active work of God in my life, I wouldn't have existence. I wouldn't have meaning. I wouldn't even have food to eat. And if God wasn't there, internal and personal to you and to me, then I wouldn't be here with you today. Because I can't serve myself and neither can you. So here's the end. Oh, you're going to like me. We're going to be done real quick. If you were to ask me what I believed, I would say this. And I say this not because I think you care what I believe. I'm saying this as a teacher who professes so that you deal with what you believe. You do your own math now and see how this matches up and see if God is calling you. Because I think God is calling to people to learn the sciences because in the science is that same information that the world needs to know. The world needs to know that the universe is expanding into the light and enfolding arms of God, that he is there with light, that ultimately between joy and misery, misery's the liar. The Bible says that Satan is the liar. Jonah didn't want to face it, and he tried to run away from it, and he couldn't. I believe Jesus is the I am, and that is an active tense. He be. You know, how do you answer the privilege to be? When they ask God, what's your name? God's name is a verb, and that verb is I am. I be. I is. Not I was or I will be. I am. You realize that God is light at light speed. There is no time. Time's as dimensional as left, right, up, down. You get that, right? And that when there is no time, it's always what time? Now. When grandma died and went to heaven, she entered now. You're the, you're the, you're the one out of time. In time. When we die, we enter the eternal now. With the Lord or without him. So Jesus is this I am, and I am his. He has called, and he has allowed me to answer that calling. He is the light that envelops, pierces, and displays. He's the door. He's the knock. You know, Jesus calls himself the door, but he's also that person knocking on your heart right now because he loves you. He's the wedding invitation. He's the wedding vow, and he's the wedding reception. He's both diagnosis and cure. When I walk in sin, he is my friend telling me, stop. 
and he's the lighthouse I run to. He is presence now, but he's also destiny. We know him now and not yet. We are headed to eternal light. He is living word and singing song. See, if these things are true, then making a lot of money goes down in importance and the true calling of your life to share this message with every talent and every fiber and every piece of your DNA becomes important. You are being called to go out into a world with this message, more than commerce, more than many other things, this message that you belong in this powerful way to God. And it lines up with the very stars. That's why John Foreman said, when I look at the stars, I feel like myself. Clearly, I'm not John Foreman. I'm I'm making the, the message. You find your deepest self in him. He is creator, giver, weaver, Lord. So if you ask me what I believe, this is what I believe. He's the owner. God is the owner. He's life and salvation. He's the way and the home. He's the hunger. See, some of you are here today, and all you have is hunger. You don't have answers yet. You have hunger. You may not even know you have hunger. But that's a great start. Because God put that hunger. The Holy Spirit is causing you to hunger. Because there's food for that hunger. Hunger and thirst for rightness. And he's the host that makes us right. And he's our daily bread. Jesus is. And I am gratefully, irreversibly now, having answered, it can't be undone. I can waste it, but I can't lose it. How about you? What is the Lord calling to you? Do you hear him calling from the stars? In the microscope, in the telescope, in the word, in your neighbor? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you could use what's been shared today. I pray that it's given you glory. I pray that it's lifted you up and exalted you, but that it's challenged and opened thought patterns and doors. I thank you for so many times that this has happened for me, that you've used women and men to preach good news to me, to preach repentance to me, to call me. And I thank you for this university, that it exists, and that Christian, in in the way you've led him, has, has been led to talk about calling because we're being called. And I pray you bless this special time in these young people's lives and that Jesus, they would hear you, know you, love you, and receive your love. Holy Spirit, make it so. It's in Christ's name that we pray it. Amen. Now go out and have a day of joy because... Your destiny is light. God bless you.